the Missional Life Podcast, inspiring kingdom-minded believers around the world to live the mission of God in their lives. All right, welcome back to the Mission Life Podcast. Today, we are at the NRB event in Nashville, Tennessee, and we have an opportunity to sit down with Pastor Eddie Turner, who recently published a book called Conquering the Chaos in Your Mind, Finding Freedom from Tormenting and Anxious Thoughts. Eddie, welcome to the show. Welcome. Thank you, Dan and Amanda. Thank you so very much. It's an honor to be with you. Well, it's an honor to have you on the show today. You know, you have quite an extensive history in ministry and, and leadership of ministry. Can you tell our listeners a little bit about that? How, what, was, what was it that took you into ministry, and how did that begin to develop into more overseeing leaders of ministries? Sure. Well, I grew up in a—my in a, grandfather uh, was a pastor many, many years ago, and uh, so I grew up in his home. And uh, every day I would go with him to the church house. And that was back when pastors mowed the yard and they cleaned the church and they did everything. They were the one-man show. So I grew up at the church. Church was my playground. I play hide-and-go-seat in church. I've swam in the baptistry. I've, I've done it all. <laughs> it, was, it, it was a fun place, the church house. So I grew up in ministry. So uh, my first recollection at 10 years of age, uh, uh, I knew I wanted to probably be a pastor just to follow my granddad and uh, got into ministry our first assignment was youth pastors and then we did that for three years and and then there was a little bitty church of 30 in right outside of cookville tennessee and called all good it was a town of 2000 and uh, that was our first assignment as lead pastors and we took that and had a wonderful run Stayed 20 years and went from 30 people every Sunday morning to over 2,500 every Sunday morning mm. in a town of 2,000. Wow. That's what was amazing about it. People came from all over. Um, but then because of that, because people saw what the Lord had done in us, they decided they wanted us to ask us to be the overseers of a whole organization. So after 20 years, we left that assignment and became uh, the overseers over 220, 15, 20 churches and 650 ministers. And uh, that was quite an assignment of trying to lead leaders. And then leading from a distance. Leading from a distance has probably been the hardest thing I've ever done. because it's easy if you're a leader and if you study leadership, if you've got boots on the ground and are face-to-face, you can lead a lot better than you can 80 miles away or 150 miles away. Uh, leading from a distance can be a real challenge. But we did that for five years and had a good run at that, and then the book came out, and, and um, we've been traveling all over the world helping pastors. Right now, we mentor pastors. We, we mentor pastors every month. Uh, pastors working through issues of leadership and also their own personal issues, mm-hmm. uh, much to do with their thought life, which is the book about. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. You know, doing some research, it looks like 1986 or those those years were kind of dark for you. Can you tell us a little bit about what were some of the drivers of some of the darkness and some of the things that you began experiencing during those years? Sure. Um, my grandmother uh, died in a mental hospital. Now, years ago, the care for the mentally uh, struggling was not as compassionate as it is today. They put you in a straight jacket and put you, shipped you away. Yeah. Yeah. 
And the last time I saw my grandmother was behind bars. She was in a straitjacket in a padded cell. And she died two weeks later. I never saw her again. Uh, My dad had his own challenges. And when I got to be 29 years of age, I was pastoring our little church. And it was a good season. Uh, Nothing really bad going on. Uh, No high-stress situations. It was a little church. But we were happy. We thought we were doing good. And just one day, Dan, out of the clear blue, just driving down the highway, a hideous thought, a crazy thought, a stupid thought came in my mind, just pounced in my mind, and it, it stung me. And that thought was simply this, uh, you're demon-possessed. And I, when it hit me, I go, what? I'm, demon- I'm not demon-possessed. I'm a pastor. I remember going home that night and telling Amanda at the supper table, I said, Amanda, uh, you're not going to believe this. I had this crazy thought today. She said, what was it? I said, that I'm demon-possessed. She said, idiot. She chuckled. She said, you're not demon-possessed, are you? I said, no, I'm not (laughs) demon-possessed. And she laughed. She said, don't think something so silly. I said, I don't know where that come from. She said, well, don't. Just kick it out. Don't worry about it. Well, I want you to know within two months, that thought had me. Hmm. It it drove me into my house. I I couldn't get rid of it. And it became oppressive. It was like a tsunami that led to other tormenting thoughts and hideous thoughts and then before long nightmares of being where my grandmother was. And, and then it got to the point I wouldn't even get out of my house. I went, almost went a year uh, barricaded in my house, had thoughts of ending my life on multiple times. And here I am, a pastor. And you can't tell your people you're struggling. They don't want a pastor that can't get his thought life right or, as we used to say, going crazy. I couldn't go to my spiritual hierarchy. They would have taken me out in a heartbeat because they have the responsibility for the flock. So in silence, my wife and I uh, walked through that journey of oppression, depression. Today we call it anxiety, panic attacks. Back then they didn't have that terminology. It was called nervous breakdowns. And and they would either medicate you or put the electric shocks to you. And I never went that route. I just suffered in silence. And through that whole year and afterwards, the Lord taught me about the thought life and how Christians and believers can be free in their mind. You know, Dan, we are big on getting our hearts saved and born again and changed. We're big on getting our flesh under control. But no, nobody really, the church is kind of given the third dimension of man, the soul, the spirit, the, we're spirit, soul, and body. We've given our soul, our mind, our will, and emotions kind of over to mm. the world, the secular market. And you don't hear a lot of churches or Christians or preachers talking about the thought life. They'll talk about keeping your flesh under, and they'll talk about your spirit getting born again. But not a whole lot on your mind. And yet the Bible says, as a man thinketh, so is he. He'll keep you in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you. And the way we're transformed from the world is the renewing of our mind, not what we dress or what our hair color is. None, none of those things that I was taught in the Pentecostal church years ago. They taught me where to go, where not to go, what to wear, what not to wear, but nobody ever taught me what to think. And as a man thinketh, so is he. In fact, what I've learned, Dan, is that your thought life determines your destiny and your direction in life. 
Your thoughts determine your destiny and direction in life. We're here today doing this interview because we had given it some thought. Mm -hmm. People, they're working where they gave it some thought. They attend church on Sunday morning where they've given it some thought. In fact, women know this well. You start thinking about what you're going to wear the next day, hours (laughs) before you ever wear it. Our thoughts determine our destiny in life. So if our thought life is erratic or not disciplined, then our destiny is going to be very erratic and undisciplined. But not only that, our thoughts not only determine our direction, our thoughts determine our quality of life. Romans chapter 8, verses 5 and 6 says, If a man thinks according to the Spirit, he has life and peace. But if he thinks according to the flesh, he has death. So our thought life not only determines our destiny, it determines our quality of life. You know people that have nothing physically Financially, they don't have a lot of resources, but every time you're in, around them, you leave feeling like a million dollars because their thought life is joyful. But we know people who have more money than they can spend, and they're miserable because their thought life is determining their quality of life. So it was through a journey that I went through and what the Lord did for me that he taught me about the thought life and the importance of the thought life. And that's what the book, Conquering the Chaos in Your Mind, is all about. Hmm. Now, you mentioned earlier um, about how you and your wife kind of suffered in silence. Mm-hmm. And we're talking late 1980s. Right. You know, that's mm-hmm. been a little bit ago. Right. And things have changed a lot since they then. They have. Um, in, in good and bad ways, I guess. <laughs> but mm-hmm. um, we've come a long way in actually acknowledging that leaders can struggle with this just as much as anyone else so how did you guys fight this together and keep your marriage intact and how can congregations help to support their pastors like on a daily ongoing basis and helping encourage them in their leadership role amanda that's that's the 64 million dollar question and and you said it well today the the conversation, the topic of mental health has come to the forefront, and I'm so glad it has because mm-hmm. years ago, it was the, you didn't talk about it, it was yeah. taboo. Uh, you were either listed crazy or you were sane. There was no in-between. Mm-hmm. Yet we know, our just this recently in our Olympics, Simone Biles, the greatest young athlete, American athlete, Uh, of the modern times Mm -hmm. Uh, her body was tweaked to perfection but she's unable to compete and represent her nation because of her mental health issues see our thought life her thought life kept her from competing in the olympics it wasn't her body she's the best in the world but it was her thought life Mm -hmm. so 60 uh they tell us that uh uh, over f- uh, 20%, 20% of all adults, 19 and over in America, 20%, one out of every five are struggling with mental health issues. Mm-hmm. One out of every five. So mental health has really come to the front page of a lot of conversations, whether it be in, uh, in industry, whether it be in, in athletics, whether it be in business, or even in the church. Mm-hmm. And pastors are under a, a stressor. They're stressed every day, especially with the pandemic. Mm-hmm. 
and a lot of upheaval now in our nation and in the world with the ongoing crises and the war that's happening in the Ukraine. People are starting, a spirit of fear has been unleashed, and it, it, pastors are not immune from that. So they have to manage people through that process, but at the same time, they've got to walk through that process also. And the same thoughts that our people deal with, thoughts of fear, thoughts of panic, thoughts of crises, stressful thoughts, lustful thoughts, impure thoughts, harassing, tormenting, depressing thoughts, pastors deal with those just as much, if not even more. But it's often taboo for a pastor to talk about it because he hasn't got his act together. But a lot of pastors, a lot of, there are churches that are exploding amazingly, they're growing, but a lot of pastors are imploding. Hmm. They, they're, they're, they're struggling right now because they have no place to vent or to share about the torment that's going on behind their eyes, between their ears, and that's in their minds. So people literally can pray that their pastor and encourage their pastor to make sure his mental health is uh, uh, at the forefront of his health journey as well. Yeah. yeah, for the pastor or leader, listener, that's struggling with some of these things. I know you probably cover a lot of this in your book, mm-hmm. but what are some steps that they can begin to do? Because, you know, you guys did this together, mm-hmm. you know, and uh, Amanda, his wife, is, is sitting here as well. Um, but uh, so you guys did this together, but it's not always easiest to do it together either. So what are some steps that people can do to one identify that they need some extra help beyond just maybe a spouse? And two, what are some ways that you, they they can confidentially begin to kind of go through some of these things? Because really, you know, it's that fear of exposure and the fear of loss that really it's a trap of the enemy, isn't it? It's, it it's is. a, tri- a trap that of, of isolation mm-hmm. to make you feel like you're the only one that has those thoughts and you're the only one that has ever experienced this sort of thing. And once we start taking that bait, you know, the enemy doesn't come at us one, you know, just full force. He plants mm-hmm. that seed just like he did, you know, in, in your mind and in, in all of our minds in different ways, but he planted that seed, didn't he? Mm-hmm. You know, and it was, it was a crazy talk. It was a crazy mm-hmm. thought, but over those couple those coming weeks and and a couple months it really turned into into a big issue and so what are some ways that people can identify hey i'm on a trajectory that if i don't deal with this now uh, i might be facing a larger problem sooner dan you're exactly right and and that is the key is to be able to talk about it without fear of retribution Mm. without fear of repercussion and to understand that mental health is as much a part of our spiritual journey, our faith journey, as reading our Bible. Our mind is the filter through which we filter our life, and we filter the spiritual knowledge that we receive into our life. And if our thought life, if our mind, if that filter is off, whatever in whatever way, it's going to hinder our faith journey. And will hinder our, our journey, a uh, uh, spiritual journey. So the first thing is to understand that it's okay to discuss uh, mental health. It's okay to do an evaluation. What are what are you thinking, Amanda? And I, every uh, periodically, she'll say to me, uh, how, "What have you been thinking lately? How's your thought life? Mm-hmm. Are you keeping your thought life in check? Is there any thoughts that you're entertaining?" 
that you probably shouldn't be? And she'll ask me that question, and I'll ask her that question. Anytime we have stress in our marriage, we'll always go back, okay, what have we been thinking on? What have what thoughts and what patterns of thought have we been entertaining here? What have we allowed into our mind? So having someone to bounce those thoughts off of and also to hold us accountability in accountability, I encourage people to go get to see a counselor. Mm-hmm. Find a friend that will hold your thought life accountable. What are you thinking about? To young men, uh, adult men, adult men. They tell us that 78% of all Christian men uh, have viewed pornography in the last three months. 78% of all Christian men have viewed pornography in the last three months. Somebody has to hold us men accountable. What are you thinking about? Satan breeds, Satan and sin breeds in secrecy. Mm-hmm. That's where he breeds in secrecy. And if he can keep us in the corner with this, then he will cause that thought to uh, mature and get bigger and bigger and will eventually act it out. So somebody's got to hold us accountable. What are you thinking about? What have you been entertaining? What have you been watching? What have you been listening to? What have you allowed in your mind? Uh, if Jesus was here and would reveal everything in your mind, would you be pleased with it or would you be ashamed? So the thing that we do as a couple is that we periodically will say, okay, what are we thinking about? Let's talk. Are we thinking, is our thoughts pure? Is it lovely? Is it true? Is it of a good report? Philippians Mm -hmm. chapter 4 verse 8. That's the key to have somebody in our life that holds our thought life accountable. No, that's really good. You know, we all talk about going to the doctor periodically for medical checkups. So having a thought checkup, really, and just being able to discern like, okay, Lord, what doesn't line up with your scripture? What doesn't line up with your word? You know, what do I maybe need to get rid of that's negatively impacting my thoughts and then hence my life? And how can I replace that area with something even better? You're exactly right, Amanda. That is the second thing. Because a lot of people will say, well, you know, I just can't turn these thoughts off. I just can't turn these thoughts off. Did you know that medical science tells us that the average person thinks 60,000 thoughts a day? Mm -hmm. The average person thinks 60,000 thoughts a day. Well, uh, I know all your listeners and viewers, they are above average. But the average person thinks 60,000 thoughts a day. There's 86,400 seconds in a day. Mm. So there's 86,400 seconds in a day. The average person thinks 60,000 thoughts a day. So that means every 1.3 seconds, we are processing an individual thought. Every Mm. 1.3 seconds. Now here's the trigger. Medical science tells us that 90% of those 60,000 thoughts are repetitive. Mm. So if we think 60,000 thoughts a day, 54,000 of them are the same thing or the same theme. So people ask me all the time, how could that person take that gun and go into that school and kill those precious innocent children because they've heard it 54,000 times a day? Hmm. Kill them, kill them, kill them, kill them, kill them. See, that's why it's so important that we get our thought life under control. As a man thinketh, the Bible says, so is he. Mm-hmm. 
So by having someone hold us accountable on our thought life is just like having our annual checkup physically. If there is an issue, we need to bring it under control before it gets out of hand physically, the same way with our thought life as well. Wow, there's so much in there. One of the things that stood out to me, though, is having somebody that is there that you can talk to. You know, what are your thoughts? You know, what are you, what are you entertaining? I love that concept and I love that, that tool. But I also know that something we hear a lot is time and tone matter. And so the timing of that conversation and the tone of that conversation mm. can really either be an authentic, open producing conversation or it can be a, a condemning Hey, what have you, you know, how yeah. I say it. Hey, what have you been entertaining? You're right. Versus, hey, what have you been entertaining? Right. They mean so many different things, and yet they're the same words, right? Mm-hmm. And so it's finding those people that are really for you, not necessarily those pe- people that are just, it's finding the right people, right? That's right. It's, it's making sure you're involved in a community mm. of love, acceptance, accountability, faith, healthy community. Uh, Amanda and I are in uh, a couple of small groups, Mm -hmm. Uh, even as pastors. We are a part of small groups, uh, and we allow those people to speak into our lives because we know they are for us. We allow family members to speak into our lives because we we know they are for us. So you're exactly right. Just having knowledge, well, you need to not think that because I heard that all my life. You need to not think. Don't think that. Don't think that. That's crazy. Don't think that stuff. But then having somebody that you know this for you to hold you accountable and to speak into your life and to help you keep yourself evaluated is critical. Hmm. What would you say is one of the top one or two scriptures you guys have stood on with this process? Like what is something you come back to on a regular basis that really keeps you guys grounded? Yeah, you, you said it a while ago. Is is is. Replacing the thought with some good thoughts. You mentioned that a while ago. You know, a lot of people say to me all the time, well, I just can't get rid of that thought. I can't get rid of the thought. I used to walk through my house, say, I'm not going to think that. I'd shake my head. I'm not going to think that. A thought would pop in my mind, terrible, impure, harassing, tormenting, unhealthy thought. And I would kick it out because the Bible says, take every thought captive. Mm. But then I'd say, I'm not going to think that. I'm not going to think that. I'm not going to think that. Well, you can't stop your mind from thinking. Just like a rooster's going to crow, your mind's going to think. They tell us, medical science tells us that every thought, every image, every smell, every moment is stored in our brain. Mm-hmm. Have we, you know, you've done this, you've been somewhere and you smell something or you see something and it suddenly throws you back to a memory you had 20, 30 years ago that you hadn't thought about in years. Sure. But it's stored in your brain. That moment is stored and something triggered that. Mm-hmm. So your mind is going to think. You can't stop thinking, but renewing of the mind. You said what scriptures uh, be not conformed to this world, but be transformed. Romans 12, 2, mm-hmm. be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. The renewing of your mind is not just not thinking bad things. It, yes, that's included. I'm not going to think that. I'm going to take that thought captive. But to renew your mind means I'm going to get rid of that thought, but I'm going to replace it with a healthy thought. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's good. Because your mind's going to think something. 
You just can't stop thinking. I used to say it this way. If I could cut my head off, I could live a happy life. Mm. Well, you can't cut your head off. So you've got to tell your mind what you're going to think and replacing whatsoever things are true, Philippians 4, 8, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are just, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things, Mm. you know. So it's not only not thinking bad things, it's telling our minds what we're going to think and what we're going to allow through the gateway into our minds. Yeah. Wow. I love that. We've been kind of circling around that read be transformed by the renewing of your mind. But I think there's something else that you cover in chapter three, the helmet of salvation, God's mm. protection for our minds. Can you speak a little bit more about that? Yeah. You know, it's, it's, uh, it's one of the weapons, uh, the armor of God, the helmet of salvation, the breastplate of righteousness, feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace, the, the sword of the spirit. We really talk a lot of that, about that in the church. But the one that kind of gets overlooked is the helmet of salvation. Mm. And really what the helmet does, it covers your brain. It covers your head. Mm. And, uh, you know, garbage in, garbage out is the old saying. So we have to keep our minds renewed, clean, pure. You know, there's a scripture Jesus talks about in Matthew chapter 17. He says, uh, he says something to the effect, he says, for out of the heart proceed evil thoughts, murders, adulteries, fornications, thefts, false witness, blasphemies. That's what he says. He said, for out of the heart proceed evil thoughts, murders, adulteries, fornications, thefts, false witness, blasphemies. And most of us read that verse. We've read Matthew 15, in fact, Matthew 17. We've read it a hundred times and we miss it. He said, for out of the heart proceed evil thoughts, murders, adulteries, fornications, thefts, false witness, blasphemies. And we'll read that verse and say, for out of the heart proceed murders, adulteries, fornication. They forget the first thing that Jesus said comes wow. out of your heart. It's an evil thought. Hmm. Well, how can you tell if an evil thought comes out of your heart? It manifests in murder. It manifests in adultery. See, murder begins with a thought. Adultery begins with a thought. Men, I do a lot of men's conferences, and they'll say to me, how can I, in this sex-saturated culture, how can I keep myself pure and my marriage vows intact? And I said, well, let me give you a short answer. If you never think about being unfaithful, you'll never be unfaithful. Because the Lord says before adultery can ever be acted on, it must be entertained in your thought life. If you don't think about it, it'll never happen because thoughts are blueprints for actions. So by keeping our mind pure, holy, saved. See, we get our hearts saved, but sometimes we let our minds still act like they did and think on the things they did before we were born again or before we came to faith in Christ Jesus. So not only are we to get our heart regenerated, but we also to get our mind renewed and keeping the helmet of salvation on instead of floating back to the old way of thinking. Wow. So good. So good. Yeah. So Conquering the Chaos in Your Mind is the name of the book. Mm-hmm. Where can people go ahead and get a copy of this? Yeah, that's published on uh, published by Harrison House. So you can go to Harrison House. You can get it on Amazon. We've sold thousands on Amazon. Uh, you can go to my website, PastorEddieTurner.com. You can get that book. Uh, 
but uh, it's it's my story how the Lord set me free and the things he's taught me over the years and how and what we do in our conferences when we teach people about getting their minds renewed with the Word of God right. and if you could leave our listeners with one you know one final parting thought the listener that's that's struggling that's that's got all this chaos in their mind what would you say to them uh, that's a great question here's what I say to you if you're struggling if you're having anxiety, if you're having racing thoughts, like a tsunami that invades your mind and your life and you can't turn them off, first of all, understand you're not alone. You're not going crazy. You're not losing it. Other people have experienced that as well. And here's what I want to say to you. Thoughts may come and thoughts may persist, but thoughts never spoken in word or deed will die unborn. Thoughts may come, and they may persist. But if you don't speak those thoughts or act on those thoughts, they will eventually lose their power and die unborn. You can win the battle for your thought life. God's given us His Word and it's His Spirit, and He's given us a community of people around us who will hold us accountable and stand with us and you can get free from anxiety and depression. If I did it, he did it for me, he'll do it for them. Amen. Amen. Eddie, thanks for spending some time with us today. Thank you, Dan. Thank you, Amanda. Thank you. Thank you.